One of the highlights of the Haggadah of Seder Night is a song that is sung deep into the Haggadah. And that is the part of the Haggadah called Dayenu. And we're all familiar with the way the song goes. And we're all familiar with the tune and with the words of that tune. I don't know if Sardim have that minig to sing Dayenu the way Ashkenazim do, but I think it's universal all over the world that there's a certain nigan that Dayenu is sung to and the way that the word Dayenu is even said in that song is very, very important. The way that we sing it is to say over Dai Dayenu, Dai Dayenu, 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 but it's a, there's an emphasis on the, on the Dai on the fact that it's enough. And I think that that's not just because some songwriter, whenever they wrote this, was trying to make a, a catchy way of saying the word to attain extra popularity, but I think that there is a yisai to this, that in the Gemara in Tainus on Daftesam and Aleph, the Gemara quotes a pasuk in Malachi, I will shower upon you bracha until there's not enough. And the Gemara darshans this pasuk. What does it mean? Until the point that your lips will become weary and tired and worn out from saying the word die. There's going to be so much bracha that you're going to say it's enough, it's enough, it's enough and you're going to be tired of saying that it's enough. And so I think the minute to sing the song of Dayenu in such a way of Dai Dayenu is to be marbeh, the Lashon of Dai. To emphasize in the word Dayenu that there's enough and enough and enough. You're giving us so much bracha. And this is a very popular niggin. I would say it's probably the most popular niggin of the Seder. I'm sure every year around the world, whether you are from, whether you're not from, whether you're Hasidish, whether you're Litvish, Affiliated, non-affiliated, everybody knows that you have to sing the song Dayenu. That's like, that's part of the, the whole Seder night. Seder night would not be complete without singing Dayenu. And we know that Dayenu is not only a popular part of the Haggadah for those people that enjoy singing, it's very popular for those people that enjoy Divrei Taira. Because I think that Dayenu 
offer such fodder for Mefarshim on the Haggadah that are looking to say Tyra on the Haggadah, we all pull out our, our sheets and our index cards when it comes to Vayenu because every single line has so much to offer us. There are so many questions on the Dayenu. A lot of the Haggadah, we sort of look for things to say because it's not, you know, it doesn't automatically lend itself to questions, but so we come up with questions and we come up with Chatim and Veritloch. A lot of the Haggadah are Brises that are Aram Yaviravi, Kol and you sort of like, all right, I'll, I'll say a Vart, but I don't really. You know, I think it's such a great vart, but Dayenu has so many great vartlach, where the Mepharshim try to explain each line and how this could possibly make sense. How could it be that if we would do A, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu had given us the opportunity of A without B, that would have been Dayenu. Would it really have been Dayenu? Is that true? If HaKadosh Baruch would have just brought us to the destination of Harsinai and not given us the Taira, that would have been Dayenu? Wasn't the whole point of leaving Mitzrayim to come to Harsinai and to get the Taira? Would you say that Lahavdil, if you would get to... Uh, you're going to the Sea of Mashas after being Messiah after seven and a half years and you don't have a ticket and they don't let you into the actual stadium and you didn't you weren't there for the Hadron but I was at the stadium I was at the tailgate party before the Sea of Mashas would you say that that's Dayeno? that was good it was, it's enough I made it to MetLife Stadium that's enough I don't have to get in I don't have to be at the CM. I made it to the stadium. No, it's not. It's nothing. And the Mepharshim, there's, there's hundreds of Mepharshim that give answers. On this line, the Ali Shur brings down a beautiful part from Rabbi Rucham, his Rabbi, says that there's an invention called the thermos. The thermos is one of those crazy inventions that it really, it's an amazing invention. It's like there are certain simple inventions that you wonder what people did beforehand. The thermos is a bottle, it's a jug, and it's able to keep coffee that you make in the morning hot, not the whole day. So if you're a workman and you're going up uh, to do your construction work on a on a skyscraper, on a building, you don't have to keep coming down for a coffee. You have a, a thermos with you and it keeps it hot the whole the whole day, maybe more than a day. By a series of insulation and mirrors, some guy came up with this great invention called a thermos. And Rabbi Rucham used to say that the whole Kabbalah Satira was really to maintain the heat of the experience of Matan Taira, but even without the Taira, we would have gotten so much just from being at the foot of our Sinai. Even Akadosh Baruch had not actually given us the Taira, but the Kailas and the Brokim, the thunder and the lightning and all of the experience of being at our Sinai, the Yerushamayim that we were able to glean. 
the Amuna was such a dominant experience in Klai Yisrael's Neshama that that alone would have cannot been a substitute for the Torah itself because the whole Matan Torah was a thermos that today we can still have the heat of Harsinai, of Maimon Harsinai. So it maybe would have been enough on a certain level. But there's many other Mepharshim on this and every single, you go through all the Dayenus and every single one has questions like this, like what's going on in the Dayenu? The Chavitz Chaim has a great part. The Chavitz Chaim says, "Ilu nasan lano es ha'tayra v'leichnisano l'eretz Yisrael dayenu." Takarish Baruch would have given us the Tayra, but not brought us into Eretz Yisrael. That would have been enough. And again, you can ask, "What does that mean?" Eretz Yisrael was the whole point. Eretz Yisrael was the whole point of of Bryas that we should be in Eretz Yisrael. See the Maral on the first Rashi and Chumash. The Torah was built and designed for Kiyam and Eretz Yisrael. A Yid was meant to live in Eretz Yisrael. So what does that mean? If we would have gotten the Torah and not gotten the Torah, it would not have been Dayena. What's the, so the Chavitz Chaim says a beautiful Chav on the Haggadah, and he says that what it means is that if you would flip it around, that would not be true. That would not be Dayenu. Eretz Yisrael, if you're just in Eretz Yisrael for the sake of being in Eretz Yisrael, and you think that that itself is something, but I'm not going to keep the Torah, it's not Tayenu. That's not making Aliyah. If you're going to make Aliyah just to be in Eretz Yisrael, but you're not going to be Mekayim, the Torah there, it's not Tayenu. But there are so many Mepharshim on this Tayenu to explain every single line, and is this accurate? Is it true that if you wouldn't have if you would have just given us A and not B, that would have been enough. And how could that be? And it's not enough. And all of these, v'chayena, v'chayena, so many mefarshim all jump on this dayenu to explain every line. And it's all beautiful taira that we could glean from every letter of the dayenu. But I think that l'fiyani astaiti the truest pshat in Dayenu that would answer all of these questions and sort of render them all in a way obsolete is the Vard of the Malbim. And the Malbim says that what the Dayenu is doing, it's not saying that if you would have given us A and not B, that would have been enough, that we wouldn't need B. B is not necessary we wouldn't need the Torah, we wouldn't need Shabbos, we wouldn't need Eretz Yisrael. Of course we need everything. Every step is vital. The Malbim says, you know what the point of Dayenu was? And is, the point of Dayenu is to express Hakaras HaTayv for each and every Madrega that the Rabbi Yisrael bestows on Klal Yisrael. It's not saying that if you would have given us Harsinai without the Torah, that would have been enough. What we're saying is, let's focus for a second on on, on Harsinai. You brought us to Monterey, you brought us to the foot of Harsinai. Dayenu, that's something that we have to focus on and give you our cars type for. Additionally, you also gave us the Torah. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. 
before we get to the Torah and just lump everything together like we always do in our life and just give one big Ashokayach without really breaking it down and dissecting it to its most basic element, Seder night teaches us a huge lesson in Akaras HaTayv. And that is that when we say thank you to somebody, and especially when we say thank you to the Rabbeinu Shalom, we can't just do it in one big glob. Thank you. And like walk away and expect that that's really doing justice to the person or doing justice to our own need of appreciation to other people. But we have to actually think in our minds all of the steps. Kama Milas Taivais. We have to think in our minds how many steps, how many shvachas did the Rabbi Shalom deserve for all that he did for us, for bringing us to this point. Of course, every step was vital. giving us their money. Kriyas Yamsov. We could go on and on. Arbaram Shanaba Midbar, Chilonu Esaman, Shabbos, Harsinai, Tairach. Everything is vital. But to give the Rabbi one generic thank you, it's not enough. Dayenu is not saying that it would have been enough if there would have only been step A without step B. No, 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 we need both. But we have to focus on each and every one of them and saying that it would have been enough this step, but we know that we have to go in the next step and the Rabbi Yishlalem catered to us every step of the way, but everything in and of itself, we have to state emphatically, Dayenu, to give proper Haidah and Akar Satayr to the Rabbi Yishlalem for everything that he did in every single step of the way in our life. And if we just sort of say, thanks for taking us out of Mitzrayim, that's not enough. Because to get to that point, to get to Har Sinai, to get to Eretz Yisrael, to get to the Beis HaBechira, there were so many points in between. And it would be a crime to forget about all the steps and to focus on each and every one individually. Because that would not be an appropriate to really appreciate something you have to go and understand all that was invested in something to get to this point I'll give you an example let's say a person goes to a restaurant okay you go to a restaurant you're hungry and you go to a nice restaurant and they bring out food and you eat and then you pay your bill you swipe your credit card you give a tip and you walk out of the restaurant and maybe you stop on the way to say thank you to the owner or thank you to the waiter probably not because you think that by paying the bill and by leaving $10 on the table your chiv of has been fulfilled that's all you need to do I paid, that's the whole point of restaurant it's a business, so I paid him what he needed But if we can examine a little bit about what happened really at that restaurant, 
when you ate that meal, let's think for a second all that went in to that experience. Now, this person who owned, who owns the restaurant, he had to go, let's say, to restaurant school in order to learn how to open a business like this, how to, how to cook and how to, how to run the management part of the business. A lot that goes into opening a restaurant. He had to go to school and pay a lot of money and study for tests, all so that he can open a restaurant someday. And a lot went into that. A lot of chayvets went into that time and pressure and who knows what other things he was juggling at the same time when he was going to that restaurant school. He had to get a health license to operate that restaurant. He had to make sure that it was up to standards from the Board of Health. Took a lot of time, a lot of pressure when the guy's coming. You have to get a liquor license. Also not an easy thing. It costs money and time. He had to have found a storefront. Took a long time until he finally went around with all the real estate agents and found that place that he felt was big enough and the right lighting. He had to renovate that restaurant. Put tiles on the floor, paint, put windows in. Cash registers have to be set up. Tables have to be bought. Chairs have to be bought. Kitchen equipment had to be purchased, leased. He had to hire chefs. He had to hire waiters. He had to hire busboys. He had to hire dishwashers. He had to make sure that he had an agreement with a linen company so that he could get tablecloths and napkins and they cleaned them for him. He had to order the food. He had to set the tables, put everything out nicely. He had to hire a mashkiach for kashras. He had to fill the salt and pepper shakers. Refill the waters. Bring the food to the table. Clear the tables. Bring dessert. Clear the dessert. Bring the bill. Put a mint on the, on the check. Do you know how many things went into making that meal for you? It wasn't a simple thing. For you, it's a simple thing. And we, we think that it's a business. We paid our bill. He's lucky that we came to his restaurant. We could have gone to any other restaurant. We came to his, he owes me, Ashokayah. But if you had a meal, whether it's a perfect meal or an imperfect meal, but so much work has gone in to making that meal a meal, that a simple thank you is not enough. If we were Dayenu Yidin, we would be able to go over to the owner of the restaurant at the end of the meal and say, I thank you not just for the meal, which was delicious, but I thank you for going to restaurant school, and I thank you for meeting with the real estate agents, and I thank you for leasing this property, and for making it so beautiful, and for getting the lighting just so, and for ordering the food the way it is, and it was so fresh, and it was so delicious, and the waiters were perfect, and the, the plates were clean, and the knives and spoons and forks were perfect. 
There's so many steps to the Dayenu. Thank you, if we would even say that, which we don't say it, would be so grossly inadequate that it would be like almost like a chutzpah just to say thank you to the owner because there's so much that goes in. A thank you is just something, it's just two bland words without any sense of appreciation. Seder night teaches you the Dayenu, the Dai Dayenu is telling us that you have to break things up to the syllable. You have to say die for this and die for that. It would have been enough had you just made the restaurant not so pretty and not so nice if the lighting would not have been so perfect. If the menus would not be so appetizing. If the food would not have been served in such a beautiful, elegant manner. Every single step I appreciate. Thank you. I can't say thank you enough. Dayenu is that. Dayenu is breaking things down to smaller particles so that we can really, really get into the level of appreciation that we owe the Rebbeinu that we always overlook. We say, Maidim, we bow our heads. There's a Taisus in Baba Basra somewhere that brings the Yerushalmi that there was a certain Amira that says that when I say Maidim, after Shemen Esrei, I owe Yashar Kayach to my head. Because my head knows instinctively, I have no idea that I'm even saying the, the words Maidim Anachnuach, but I, my head knows automatically when I say Maidim, instinctively it bows. It's like a knee-jerk reaction. It's one of those things that we do automatically. He says, I have to be makritar to my head because by Maidim I go like this, even though I'm spaced out. It was a choice between either, I guess, clapping like this or, or bowing. And, you know, luckily we remember that the, we know instinctively by Slachlan we go like this. When we say Maidim, we go like that. But we're not thinking. I saw the Rav Shemizam and Ayurbach once benched and then he benched again. And they asked him, why are you benching? He said, because by Naidalcha, in benching, I didn't have Kavan. I was thinking about something else. And I hold that if you say Maidim, or if you say Naidalcha, if you say thank you, and you're not thinking about what you're saying, that's not a Naidalcha. Thank you means you have to understand that you're thanking somebody for doing something for you. If you just say, thanks a lot, and you're not thinking, that's not a thank you, that's a joke. But during the year, we say Maidim, we say Naidalcha, hopefully we're, we're able to muster some Kavana. But Seder night really is the template of how we should say Maidim. And all the things that we're saying Maidim, how we should be thinking and breaking them down, so specifically to thank Akadosh for all the steps that got us here. I used the mushal of a restaurant. There could have been any mushal. But there's a beautiful story that's told about Rachel Salanter that he once was in Paris on one of his famous trips that he used to make all over the world to be mashpion people and for other reasons. And he was in a very elegant restaurant in Paris. And he ordered a cup of water. He was thirsty, ordered a cup of water, and it was a beautiful restaurant within a beautiful hotel, and he was able to overlook some beautiful, lush, well-manicured gardens and beautiful chandeliers and elegant linen. Nebi Salante thought like the water would maybe be free or maybe, a, you know, just some small token sum. And at the end, when he finishes the glass of water, the waiter comes over and gives him a check 
for you know, 20, 20 francs or whatever it is, I don't know, like let's say $15 for that cup of water. Those of you that are in Shidduchim, you know that feeling. Like, what? Diet Coke costs $20? You get it in a supermarket for, you know, for a buck. And it'd be so smart to ask the waiter, like, my high, like, why am I paying $20 for a cup, for a cup of water? It's not wine, it's not, it's not steak, it's not, it's, it's water. And the waiter told the Rishal Salanter, Rabbi, I'd use my French accent, but I don't think it's appropriate. Do you think that it's just a cup of water that we're giving you here? Don't you understand? You're not just paying for a cup of water. You're paying for the gardeners to tend to that beautiful orchard and garden that you are looking out on. You're paying for the upkeep of this hotel. You're paying for people to clean this beautiful chandelier, stand on ladders and spritz and clean and polish the ceilings. You're paying for this beautiful linen tablecloth and the napkins. You're paying for the crystal glass that we serve the water in. You're paying for the music that you hear in the background. You're not paying for a glass of water, Rabbi. You're paying for this experience and all that went into creating this ambiance for you. That's what you're paying for. And when Abishal Salanta heard this, he says it's worth all the money that I'm paying and much more to have learned this musashmus from a French waiter. He says, because this is the story of our lives. When we drink a glass of water, when we drink a glass of orange juice, when we drink soda, you know how much work went into making that? A person had to go and create all of this. A person had to go and, and get that water from wherever Poland Spring is. It's probably a sink somewhere in New Jersey. But wherever Poland Spring happens to be, a person had to fill up these bottles. A person had to make beautiful labels for those bottles. A person had to put them in trucks. A person had to ship them, hire people, truck drivers and schleppers. It had to be refrigerated. Finally, it comes to my table, a nice, cold, clean glass of water. And I say, Everything, everything happens because of your word, Hashem. Meaning that we're not just being makirtite for this drink, but for everything. All that you do, all that you orchestrate in the Bria, all the necessary components of our lives, so perfectly conducted by you. That's what we're thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When we say, it's not just a limited, thanks for the water. How many things have to go right for that water to, to make it to my table? The trucks have to drive, the people have to work, the refrigerator was working, the electricity was working, Con Ed was doing their job, Hundreds of people have to do their job to get that water to my table. You were Bainashalam and enabled all of them to do that. And that's Dayenu. 
Dayenu is saying, says the Malbim, that every step of the way, we thank you for every single component until we are here today. What brought us here? It wasn't just a bland thank you. It wasn't just one action that took us here. Millions of things had to happen for me to be standing here right now. And as I stand there right now, how many things have to be going right? How all of my organs have to be working appropriately, my eyes and my ears and my mouth. I'm able to stand, my back is working, Baruch Hashem. My throat is working. How many millions and billions of functions are working simultaneously with all of us in this room? To make things happen, it's not enough to say thank you. Thank you alone is a very shmacha teretz for all that is bestowed upon us by the Rabbi and by anyone in the world. And when we are dayenu yidin, when we're yidin that are able to really focus on the specifics of everything that happens, of how many details had to go in to create something so perfect, then we're going to be Jews that are able to overlook a lot of imperfections in our life. The more that we're able to appreciate how much good was bestowed upon us, then the bad that happens to us, this is very critical, this is really the main point of the Shmuz. We're able to tolerate a lot more by the level of Dayenu, by the amount of Dayenu that we could generate in our minds and in our hearts. Because the bad that happens to us is really Batal Be'elif. It gets lost in the thousand parts of goodness, if we're able to realize the thousands of parts of goodness, the bad is mamish batal be'elif. Yeah, there's bad in our lives. Life is not perfect. There are many tsaras that people have. There are many problems. There are times that things don't go right or they go really, really wrong. But if we can see things in a much broader picture, if we're able to examine everything, not just as, okay, I had a really bad day today. Why did you have a bad day? Well, because my tire went flat. I was on the highway and I had a flat tire. That's a really bad thing. It is. Or somebody wasn't so nice to me. Somebody looked at me the wrong way and that's going to kill my whole day. Really? Well, that's because you're not a Dayenu Yid. It's because you looked at the day as being, it was a regular day and something really bad happened. I was having a regular day and then this thing happened. But let's say we were Dayenu Jews. And let's say we understood that when we woke up in the morning, maybe it wasn't supposed to happen that way. Maybe we were not supposed to wake up in the morning. And we woke up, Maybe we were supposed to wake up and our eyes were not supposed to work today. Who said? Just because you went to sleep last night and you were able to see, you don't know stories about people that woke up in the morning and they were not able to see? But our eyes were able to open up and see. There are people that wake up in the morning with their eyes able to see, but they're paralyzed. They find themselves unable to actually get their feet off the bed. 
we were able to wake up in the morning, wash Nagel Vasa, get our feet off the bed. And then we were able to get up and walk, go to the restroom, allow the body to excrete what it needed to excrete over the night, over the course of the night. We were able to brush our teeth because we have teeth. Baruch Hashem. These are Birchus Hashachas. If it sounds familiar what I'm saying to you, this is something that we say at Dayenu every day. We have a rooster that crows to tell us when to wake up. Or maybe nowadays it would be an alarm clock that wakes us up every morning. That means there's electricity flowing through the building to enable that alarm clock to work. Unfortunately, the snooze button works also. But the alarm clock wakes us up. I could have woken up as a guy. I woke up as a yid. I'm a free man. I'm not in a jail cell. Maybe had things gone a little wrong, I would have been in other countries, in Soviet Union or in Nazi Germany. I'd be in jail right now. But Baruch Hashem, we're living in a free country. And then you go through all the brachas. You allow me to walk. You allow my eyes to wake up in the morning and see. I could get up and walk. This is a dayenu that we say every single day. It's breaking down that karas step by step, detail by detail, until we get it. Now I ask you, if you have a flat tire that day, but look at all the things that you had on the other side, in the other column. In the good column, I could see, I could walk, I could talk. I'm able to move my hands. I'm able to be a yid. I'm not a guy. I'm able to be a free man. Now I have a column like this long of things, at least this long. And then I have one thing on the other column, on the bad column, that I had a flat tire. So for that flat tire, we're going to kill our whole day, we're going to kill our whole simchasachayim, we're going to say, this is a crummy day, I wish I had never woken up in the morning. Really? It's like one of those days that, you know, you wish you had stayed in bed all, really? We all do this, we all nag, and we all kvetch about, you know, I wish this had been different, I wish that had been, but if you're a dayenu yid, if you're able to really get a full perspective on what happened to us, really, it's Bato Be'elef. We wouldn't complain so much. We would be so grateful to the Rabbeinu Shalom for doing so much for us every single day. <coughs> I found last night a Mordeka Tzushtal to this Vart. An amazing, amazingly appropriate Gemara. The Rabbi Shalom a lot of times gives me siyat deshmaya. That when I need a good, a good vart, he just throws it in my lap. Like I was, I wasn't even looking for it. He threw it, at, threw it at me. There's a Gemara in Yevamis. A Gemara in Yevamis on daf samach gimel amin aleph. 
The Gemara says that Reb had a wife that was a shrew. She was mitzar tuva. She was causing him nothing but sorrows. If you want to see that Gemara in Samach Gimel, it speaks a lot about wives of Amiram that were really not perfect Eishas Chayos. Really being mitzar their husbands in a terrible way. And yet, Reb says the Gemara, he would go and find a nice gift in the store. He passed by as a butzkite, Reb And he found a beautiful gift in the store. And not only that, he would wrap it up for her and give it to her. And Rav asked Reb Chia, Rebbe, but she's being mitzayar yutuva. She's being mitzayar you. Why are you giving her gifts? You're just encouraging bad behavior. You know what the Lushen that the Gemara uses that Reb Chia said? It just like it blew me away. Dayenu shemegadlois banenu matzilois seisonum enachet. Rebchia was a dayenu yid. He said dayenu. I owe her a karasatay because she raises my children and she saves me from Yerurim. She saves me from chet. Okay, but she's a shrew. Get over it. You're buying her gifts. She's disgusting to you. What are you doing? Dayenu? But you see, Rebchia understood that you have to keep things in proportion. Yes, relative to a perfect life, it would have been really nice to marry a nice girl from a nice family where that treats me like a king. But it didn't happen. So, but I'm a Dayenu yid. Dayenu She's raising my children. That's not just a generic thing. Oh, she's raising the kids. You know what it means to raise children? If you're not a woman, if you're not a mother, you have no idea what it means to raise children. It means that you have to wake up in the middle of the night when they're infants, when they're toddlers, and you have to nurse them, and you have to give them a bottle and rock them until they fall asleep, and sometimes they don't fall asleep, sometimes they're crying hours on end. You can't stop their crying. But a mother is there, and a mother is raising the children. The mother has to prepare breakfast and lunch and supper for the children. The mother has to sign the homeworks for the children. The mother has to take them to yeshiva every day, and pick them up, take them to the bus stop, buy them clothing, buy them toys, buy them cereal, buy them ice cream. Bring them to camp every day. Take them home. Do you know what it means to be a mother? To be a Megavlis says, Fanenu! Dayenu! There's so many steps to being a mother. And I should complain that she's not so nice to me? She's Matzileinu Menachet. Do you know what it was like when I was a Bachar and I had so many Ahurim and it was so difficult? And now I'm married, I passed the Salai. Dayenu. That alone is enough. Every step of the way is enough to be makirtai to my wife. Is she perfect? No. Does she have a lot of flaws? Absolutely. But I have to keep it in perspective. I'm a Dayenu Yid. And I have to weigh it on the scales of life and relative to all that she does for me versus all that she doesn't do for me. It's not even close. It's not even close. 
So my Akaras Hatayf spills over to her. I buy her things. I wrap them up. Not to appease her, but to thank her genuinely. When we thank the Rabbi Yisraelim, does that mean that our life is perfect? No. We all have issues. We all know our issues. Life is not Pollyannish. Life is not perfect. It's quite imperfect. It's imperfect when you're a buffer. It's imperfect when you're married. It's imperfect when you're, when you're an old person, when you're a young person. At every stage of the way, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, it's all nesiyanis and it's all problems. But a person that has the right perspective on life, if he's a dayenu yid, he will understand that, keep it in perspective. I have so much good. I have a roof over my head. I have food on the table. I'm not homeless. I'm not in a hospital bed. I'm not in traction. So if things go a little wrong, so what? It's bottle bellef. The great Yitzvah Kutner was sitting by a Seder. And Rav Shlaima Freifeld, the Shiva of Shoyashu, was one of the close Talmidim of Rav Hutner, was also at this Seder table. And Rav Hutner was resplendent in his kitto and Mamish Amelech, who was a Melech the whole year, but on Pesach night, on Seder night, he was Mamish Amelech. And he was giving over the tish, as you can imagine, with all of his chachman, with all of his pichas. And there is farm that actually record all of the, the long verloch that he said by his seder table, and the chaps, and the short verloch, and the chasidish remises, all that he, he beautifully weaved together in a gorgeous tapestry, which was the Tachad Yitzchak seder night. And you can imagine the aura of Pachad, of Ra'odah, that surrounded all of those lucky Talmidim that got to sit around the table. But there was one Bachar that was there, that was invited, and he was misbehaving at the Seder. He was not acting appropriately. He was joking with somebody. He was whispering to somebody. He was smiling in the middle of the Pachad Seder. There was a let at the table. And the close Talmudim of Rav Hutner got very upset, to put it mildly. How could such a thing be? How could there be a let at Rav Hutner's table on Seder night of all nights? And Rav Shlomo Freifeld, who was really, really unhappy about this development, what was taking place, he went over to his Rosh Hashiva and he whispered in his ear and he said, Rabbi, should I throw him out? I want to pick him up by the lapel and chuck him out of this room. He doesn't deserve to be by the Rashiva Seder table. Just say the word and I'll get rid of him. And the Putner said the following. He says, that buffer can't throw him out. He's a grandson of the Altif and Sabotka. The Putner's Rebbe. Call yourselves, Rabbi. This boy happened to be a grandchild of the altar from Slabotka. He says, Rav Hutner, if he gets up on the table and starts dancing on the Seder table, I wouldn't touch him. I'd give him a free pass. He could do whatever he wants in my house. He's a grandson of the altar. And I owe everything to the altar. 
What does that mean? What was Rav Butler telling Rav Shlomo Freifel? What was he telling all of us? He was saying, yes, I acknowledge that this boy is a machutzah. I acknowledge that this boy is a let's. I acknowledge that he's missing everything that I'm doing. It's going way over his head, and he should know better. I know that. But it's not even a little pixel on a huge screen relative to the Akaros that I feel to the altar. What is this? Oh, no. So he's here, and he's making a little bit of a, of a ruckus at my table. Does that outweigh all that I got from the altar, all the Torah, all the Hadracha, all the Musr, all the Pichas, the Chinuch, the fact that he let me into the yeshiva, the fact that he was megadal me like a son, the fact that he clothed me and fed me and gave me a bed to sleep in and a Gemara to learn from and a Rosh Hashiva, I should just throw all that away because I'm having a bad night? What type of person would I be if I would fail to keep things in perspective and acknowledge all the Dayenus on one side and a little inconvenience on another side? There was a tzaddik in Yerushalayim. His name was Rebzalman Brizel. And Rebzalman Brizel was one of those Lamed Vav Tzaddikim that just walk around Yerushalayim and you think that they're just another Yerushalmi Yid with a, a Bekish a frock. And, but this was a real tzaddik, Rebzalman. And he took his matzahs very, very seriously, as most, most tzaddikim do. And he went, Mishas, Kitsira, he would go out to the wheat fields and he would cut the wheat himself and he would watch it, Shima Lishma, and the Tchina was Lishma, Malisha was Lishma, every single step of the way in the Afia, he did it all himself with such love and such patience and such Yerushamayim, he invested in every single matzah and he brought this parcel of matzahs home at the end of this whole month of Aveda. And he left it in a corner of his room in his apartment in Yerushalayim. And tonight was going to be the Leil HaSeder. And tonight was going to be the night that he was able to make a bracha of Alachilas Matzah with such hider on these special, beautiful matzahs. And he was out for the morning he had to do his mitzvahs, mitzvahs hayayim of Ere Pesach, and unbeknownst to him, he had some grandchildren that came into the house, and they did what grandchildren do, little kids, they're running around, playing ball, playing tag, and one boy threw another boy across the room, and yes, he landed right on that parcel of matzahs, and the matzahs went crack. And the, the box flew open and there were matzahs splattered all over them. There wasn't one shalim. And the boys were really nervous. And then they heard that door open. And they knew that their Zayda had come home and they were just sittering. They were just petrified because they knew how special these matzahs were to Zalman, to their grandfather, and they were just bracing for the absolute worst. 
Reb Zalman comes into the room, sees the scene, he sees the frightened faces of his grandchildren, and he smiles and raises his hands to heaven. And he says, Rabbeinu Shalom, thank you for giving me such wonderful grandchildren. There are people who haven't merited to have children. There are those who have had children but haven't married them off. There are those who have married them off but have not merited to have grandchildren. I may not have my matzahs, but I have no complaints. Thank you, thank you, Hashem, for giving me everything I could ask for. Reb Zalman was a Dayenu Yid. Reb Zalman kept everything in perspective. Was it a good episode in his life that the matzahs cracked? No. Nobody is changing it into a wonderful act. It's not. It was bad. Things in life happen that are actually bad. They are bad. Let's call a spade a spade. Sometimes things happen that are bad. And we're not looking to look at it in a positive light. It's not so bad. It's a good thing. You got a flat tire. It's comes to the type. I hate when people say that. That's not an achama. Who are you? You're a tzaddik on my cheshpin? Did you get the flat tire? Did I get the flat tire? What are you being so, so from on my cheshpin for? Baruch Hashem. It's a kapara. It's comes to the Who are you? We can call a spade. We can be honest. We're not children. We don't have to say that everything is wonderful. Maybe some things are really bad. And a flat tire is one of those benign things in life that we could talk about and laugh about. But there are people that Rahman al-Islam, they went through really Gehenim, Shiva Madura Gehenim in their life. Physically, mentally, family, health, finances, all of the above. There's really bad situations in the world. Period. But, if we're able to somehow manage to be Dayeno Yidin, then we are able to be Mavatalipurayiv. We're able to see things in perspective, not to make it perfect. It's not perfect. But that doesn't stop us from having the necessary for all that we do have. But you only can get to that Bittal Baraiv and Ba'elef if we're able to break things down to components, to units of Akharis HaTayv. Reb Zalman, the brilliance of his reaction was not that he said, okay, Baruch Hashem is Gamzul HaTayv and maybe the matzahs were chametz. He didn't say that. No, the matzahs were perfect. It would have been wonderful to eat those matzahs. But at the end of the day, my grandchildren are here. I don't want to star them. So I'm going to understand it in a different way. I'm going to look at my situation in a different light. That I have grandchildren. I have children. And I'm not going to tell you every single day that I have children and I have grandchildren. Sometimes children could be really difficult to raise. Sometimes they're chutzpahdik. And sometimes they're messy. And sometimes they're belligerent. And they're rebellious. And sometimes they go off the derech even. But I have a Rabbi Shalom who gave me all of this. He gave me a child. He gave me the beauty of having a family. 
He gave me the experience of being a father so I can understand a little bit what the Rabbi Shalom goes through when he's trying to take care of us and we're being belligerent. There's so much that we owe the Rabbi Shalom that we never think about. We never think about it. Because we're just very... We're living in a dar that's very... It's a sound... Soundbite generation. You gotta get, gotta get it all in one soundbite. Thank you. I used to go to a bank on Main Street, and for a while they had a, an unusual innovation in the bank. They had by every teller's booth a little bell. A bell. What's a bell doing by a teller's booth? It's not a, it's not a takeout place. It's not a, you know. So there's a little sign that explained what the bell was for. The bell was that if you appreciated the service that the teller gave you, ring the bell. Where did this concept come from? I guess people weren't saying thank you. And it was too difficult for a person to say thank you. It's two words. So you ring a bell. Ring a bell. It's a substitute. We can't even say the thank you is a substitute for Dayenu. But that wasn't enough. We need a bell to substitute the thank you. And I think the reason why they stopped it, like a few weeks later, came back to the bank, they were all gone, these bells. Because I had this experience. I tried it. Okay, you know, you, you ring the bell. And like, it's sort of like a Pavlovian ex- experiment. You know, you expect the, the teller to like start like, you know, putting her, her nose to the glass and starting like, and, 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 you know, wagging her, her tongue. Like, what's she supposed to do? Thank you, you know, thank you for ringing the stupid bell. Like, what, what, what is that? But there's a karasatayv that we're missing in our dar. That we don't appreciate things. We don't appreciate how much goes into everything. We just have no appreciation for anything. Everything is, it's a gimme generation. It's like, what have you done for me lately? And if you haven't done something for me lately, then the fact that you did a hundred thousand things for me up until lately, it's nothing. Nothing, because the last thing that you did, you're only as good as your last action with me. Your last action was, was, was not acceptable to me, so then I'll throw you all away. I'll throw the entire childhood that I had away because, you know, my mother did something to me that I didn't like so much. Okay. So, so for that you're willing to throw the entire thousands of things that she did for you away, the millions of dollars that she spent on you, it's nothing because you were not happy with one thing. The Russian of Haggadah means to tell. But Rashi throughout the Torah brings another shot that it's a Russian of Gidin. It's a Russian of sinews. To Varm HaKashim Gidin, Rashi says in Kisiso. What's a gid? A gid is a sinew. A sinew is like the, the smallest part of anatomy 101. It's what keeps like the bones together, the muscles together. It holds it all together. Because that's what Haggadah really is. Haggadah is an experience tonight that we're having on the Lel HaSeder that we are not just telling, but we're getting into the kishkis of the story. We're getting into the nitty gritty of the story. We're getting into the sinews. We're getting into the atzames, the gidin. 
We're going beneath the surface. I'm not just superficial. Thank you. I'm being magid. I'm telling you the specifics. I'm dissecting a human body on Seder night as it was. The body of Sipriyatiyas Mitzrayim. We're going to tear it apart and see really piece by piece what happened. Not just look at the jigsaw puzzle, break the jigsaw puzzle apart and see how many components there are to this panorama of Yitzhak Mitzrayim to Matan Taira to Knisal Aretz. And the night of Lel Seder is a night that involves parents and children. There's a conversation, there's a dialogue between a parent and a child on Seder night. Because that relationship, in my opinion, of a parent and a child is so important to foster on Seder night. Because if we're going to be magid, if we're going to really get into the guts of the story, to be makirtayv with all the dayenos, it starts with the parent-child relationship. Forget the restaurants, forget the rabbeim, forget the yeshivas, forget the bank tellers. There is a most essential relationship that a human being has, and that's a parent to a child. And when a child sits at a parent's table and asks a parent, and asks the parent, what's going on here? And the parent explains lovingly, that relationship, if we understand all the nuances of a parent-child relationship and all the dayenos, that will be the lead-up to really getting the Haggadah of Sipriyatiyas and Sarayim, that relationship with the Rabbi with all the Dayanus. How much has a parent done for a child? How much? You are children still, so you don't know. But I have the luxury of being a child and a parent, so I do know a little bit. I don't know everything, but I know a lot in this department. I know what it means to raise a child, to shop for a child, to clean after a child, to take a child to yeshiva, to pick up a child from yeshiva, to study with that child, to chazer with that child, to take that child on chalamayi trips, to take a child to a hospital when that child needs it. I know. Hashem, nothing terrible, nothing tragic, Hashem. But I know. But as a child, you just don't know always. You have no idea how much your parents did for you. Not just this past week. Not just the fact that they enable you to come to base Medrash Talmud. But what about enabling you to have learned in Eretz Yisrael if you did that, if you were Zaycheh to do that? Maybe not just one year, maybe two years. Maybe not two years, maybe three years, and you thought that that was a given because the, the, the flip-outs in your yeshiva were all doing it, so it was a given. It's a given? Do you know how much that costs? Do you know how much it costs a year in Eretz Yisrael? I don't know, because I don't have children yet, Baruch Hashem, that are going to Eretz Yisrael. But 
A year in Eretz Yisrael with the tuition of the yeshiva, clothing, airline tickets, a couple of times back and forth a year, spending money, a credit card in Eretz Yisrael, I would say minimum $35,000. And parents that are watching me on any time are probably rolling their eyes and saying, Ha! I wish it was $35,000. Try fifty. So they did 50 times 1, maybe times 2, possibly times 3. But that's nothing, because they, they made me come home. After three years, they, you know, they, they forced me. I had to come home. I didn't want to come home. Are you serious? That's the attitude? After spending $100,000, $150,000 on you and Eric Yisrael? That's the attitude? You come home with chutzpah? And iakar satayv? Do you know what that is? High school? Any idea how much high school costs? Your clothing, your shoes, your sneakers? I know. The foods, the restaurants, going to hockey games, basketball games, football games. We could break it down. It could go all day. Elementary school? Class trips? Summers and camps, sleepaway camps, you know how much sleepaway camp costs? Shabbos, have any idea how much it costs to fill up a shopping cart in seasons? A roof over your head, cell phones if you have them. Any one of these things alone would be enough to get down on your hands and knees and thank your parents profusely. But we are so ungrateful that if one thing goes wrong in our relationship, I'm mad, disappointed. I got the worst parents ever. We come home, Ben Azmanim, gonna be home in a few days, and we're expecting just to waltz into the into the house, Satan. Arab Seder parents are cooking and cleaning and shopping vacuuming making a million achamas and we come in I'm going to this Medrash okay what do you mean going to this Medrash going to this Medrash who should chop who's supposed to cook who's supposed to sweep the floors who's going to wash the dishes who's going to set the Pesach Seder table Who's going to clear the Seder table? Your mother? Your older sister? Why not you? You know why not you? Because you're too chashu. Because it doesn't pass for me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a chashu yeshiva bacher. I can't do it. If you can't do it, that means you have no idea what has been done for you. If you would realize how many millions of dollars and millions of chasadim were bestowed upon you, and you can't fish into your pocket for the proverbial dime to give back to your parents, and you're an ingrate. And only once you become grateful to your parents who are sitting at the Seder table with you, and you treat them like a melech, and like a malka, and say thank you a billion times, can you begin to start the Seder with Dayenu. Let me read to you a Sefer Achinuch. Mitzvah Lamed Gimel Mitzvah Kibbut Avaim Mishrashe Mitzvah Zu From the foundational root of this mitzvah 
The reason for the mitzvah Hakaras Hatayv says the chinuch of of Kibbutz Avayim is Hakaras Hatayv. For lo yeh novel umisnaker v'kafui tayva. If you thought my language was a little sharp, check out this chinuch. You shouldn't be a novel. You know what a novel is? A novel is a creep. Don't be a jerk when it comes to your parents, because if you act that way then you have absolutely no idea what you are. You are an ingrate. You are a kafwe type. Shezumida It's a disgusting, vile, dirty midah that a person has. And the Rabbani Shem looks at it that way, and people look at it that way. Remember, you owe something to your parents. They are the reasons that you came into the world. For that alone, just having you as a child, forget about raising you. Just merely having you, that's enough of a reason, says the Chinuch, to be Makir And also all that they invested in you, all they put into your upbringing, and when you are able to get this through your head, then you should understand to be matter type to the Rabbi Shalom Shu Sibasai, If you have to be matter to the Rabbi Shalom, matter type to your parents who raised you for 18 years, 19 years, 22 years, 40 some odd years, how much more so must you be makertayed by extension to the Rabbi Nishan who had your parents, who had your great-grandparents, Dayenu, 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 Adadam Arishan. does everything for us. Without a nefesh that Hashem gave us, we'd be like animals, like a horse, like a donkey. So the Chinuch makes this extension of Kibbut Avayim, Hakar to them, and then you could really ramp it up to Hakar to the Rebbe But first, before you get to the Rebbe before you get to Dayenu, you have to be makritayik to your parents. And I believe that that's why the Haggadah has to be done from a parent to a child. It doesn't say get together with your buddies and make a Seder. It doesn't say get together with your Talmidim and make a Seder. Get together with the people that you work, that you work with and make a Seder. It's not what the Sukkim say. Obviously that's wonderful. But the fundamental chiv of Lela Seder is you can't get out of that. That's a possible. And the reason for shelling an avek this way, the reason for establishing the mitzvah of me'av Ben, is because you need to have a, a picture of a dayenu in the flesh and to be able to get into your heads how important it is to be makar and not to be a kafri taiv to your parents who have done everything for you. And then once that is clear and you have that picture in your mind, then you can start the Lela Seder properly and you can start saying the Dayenus to Rabbi Yishon because you had good chinuch.
the chinuch of being able to be makritayv to your parents. And this is something that I wanted to share with you because it's a very, very important matter for life. It's vital that we have such levels of appreciation and such very, very intricate, complicated understandings of the underworkings of, of life and how much goes into everything. You have a bagel in the morning, you think it's just a bagel? Somebody had to bake, wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, leave their wife and children in the cold winter or in the hot summer to bake that bagel for you. They had to have another person schlep the bagels in a box to yeshiva, and then we have to have people upstairs that are put, laying out the tablecloths and opening the cream cheeses and the orange juices and the milk and the coffee and the cereals all so that you can go up after davening and have a bagel. Do you know what that is? Do you know the level of appreciation that we, we just ignore in life? How much goes into everything that we do that's just a bagel? I could talk about Rebbeim, how much a Rebbe gives to a Talmud. How they dedicated their whole life to making sure that they have, that Klal Yisrael has Bachrim that are Bnei Taira and that have good Midas. And they gave up lucrative careers just so that they could be Megado, you. A great personal sacrifice. But they do it lovingly, but you have to appreciate it. And this is the way it goes for everything in life. And the more that we could be, not Bikiyas mentioned when it comes to Akar Satayi, but Bikiyan, to drill down to the most basic fundamental elements of Akar Satayi, to every step of Dayenu Kamamalas Taibas, Amakamaleno. That is the beginning of our journey of Akar Satayi. That's the beginning, not the end. But we have to get to that level. We have to be people of appreciation. And people that are appreciative, are wonderful people. They don't take anything for granted and when things go wrong, quote-unquote, they're able to absorb the shock of something going wrong with a relationship, with something in life because they understand how many mountains of taivas HaKadosh Baruch does for me. How could I, how could at this point in my life be ungrateful? If Shimon Schwab at the end of his life was in a wheelchair, he couldn't move out of that wheelchair. I remember him very well. It was wheeled. They built a ramp and broyers for him to get in and out. And at the end, he didn't even go out on Shabbos. He would dive in his apartment. And he was asked, like, you know, it must be really hard. And he said, no, it's not hard. He says, how can I complain? For 80, 85 years, the Rabbi Hashem gave me legs to walk on. I was able to walk and move. And so now, because, uh, because I'm a little bit uh, stranded in this chair... So I should start bickering, I should start complaining that it's so terrible. Keep it in check. Keep things in perspective. Look at all the good that we have. So when you go home, Mitzvah Hashem, whenever it is that you're going home, and we're very proud of you, by the way, that you're still here in Yeshiva, so late into the Zman, and you're the Yeshiva, basically. Whoever's in this room, this is my Yeshiva. Okay? The registrar might have a different Yeshiva, this is my Yeshiva. But if you hear this late in the Zman, you're obviously people that get it. And you understand what Zman is, you understand what Yeshiva is, you understand what loyalty is, what fidelity is, what... And when you go home, the same nachas that you give us here in Yeshiva, give that same nachas to your parents. After you come home and you 
give your parents a hug and a kiss, roll up your sleeves and say, Ma, tell me what I should do. That's it. That's the first conversation that you have. Before you sit down, before you check your emails, before you start, you know, doing your own thing, before you run to the base matter, say, Ma, I'm here to help. I want help. Can I shop? Can I cook? Can I clean? What should I do? Can I do something for you, please? And then by the same night, when the, during Shulchan Aruch, you actually get off the chair and you start clearing the table. There might be people that faint around the table seeing that. But that's what you gotta do. And you have to act with utmost Darif Eretz to your parents. And treat your siblings really nicely as well. And appreciate all that you have, all that you were blessed with. And that's what Pesach is. Pesach is Akharis Hatay, Pesach is Dayenu. I want to take this opportunity to bench each and every one of you. You should be zeichet to a chakash v'sameach. You should enjoy all of the moments of yantef, all the experiences, all the mitzvahs, all the memories. But be able to really absorb all the lessons that we spoke about today and bring them home and spread them to the world. And amid Hashem, we should all be zeichet lechem and azrachem and absachem to eat from the carbon pesach this year. Nishalayim ha-benuya. Amen, amen.